Tanel and Jeremy Tanel. Streaming to you recorded from Seattle, Washington. Here. Good morning, everyone. This is Jerry Balarosa Tanel from the Plowline Podcast. Welcome on this beautiful Sunday morning. Um, I am here with uh, my co-host Jerry. <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy, introduce yourself, man. It's way too early for me. <laughs> I'm your husband. <laughs> yes, go for it. Do it. Do it up. Introduce yourself. And I am uh, the co-host of the Plowline Podcast. This is Jeremy Tanel. And today we are doing another installment of Down with Brown, All Right with White. But we are taking a uh, different, we're going to approach this differently because I started to uh, think about the whole thing about being down with brown and all right with white. And um, just to be transparent, this week has been pretty, uh, (laughs) it's been pretty tough in regards to um, being checked and also sitting back and checking my my own biases and um, yeah, my own ideologies as well. Which when whenever whenever this happens, I go into this uh, deep moment of uh, introspect and internalization. And so it's not that internal. It's well, you know what? Don't even. This is exactly what we're going to be talking up, about. You end up. This is what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about. We are going to be talking about your patriarchal attitude. We're going to be talking about. <laughs> In fact, today we're going to be talking about a lot of these things that um, I've been checked on. So, first of all, let me let me just uh, acknowledge the land that we are on. We are on the land of the Snohomish people. So, thank you so much for allowing us to be here today. I raise my hands to you, and. Thank you for calling in the ancestors. Man, this week I had to call in my ancestors and it's been um it's been pretty it's been pretty tough uh for the past I think uh we did 3 episodes of Down with Brown, All Right with White and um I got a couple of feedback on the um being all right with white part and with our society especially for people of color, we are we are dealing with the ramifications of white fragility and white privilege and white supremacy and utilizing the cloak of whiteness and um, all of these things that can keep us apart from actually having deeper conversations with um, individuals that a lot of uh, people of color see as the uh, colonizers. And... um, I've been uh, I've been told that a lot of my theories and a lot of my ideas is actually uh, feeling or being heard as being whitewashed, and so I had to uh, sit and check myself on that, and it was hard. It was really hard, and I kind of like came to you <laughs> yesterday, Jeremy, with with this uh, vengeance. <laughs> I woke up with this vengeance, like, you know, how how are you going to be dealing with 
um, your white fragility and all of these things and so <laughs> and your privilege and you know I mean it's like I can see right now your arms are crossed you are really upset <laughs> I'm not upset I'm not upset my, my arms are crossed and <clears throat> I suppose my arms are crossed because I understand and I and I want to go here with with this conversation as well but I'm also your husband and I see you doing something right now that that um, that you do and um, and I don't think it's completely, you know, you, you, you're you're a person who moves through um, through um, stages of extreme, you know, of, of extreme, right? Like uh, the pendulum swings wide for you. Some for some people, the pendulum is a little TikTok, and for other people, it's it's a it's a long pendulum. And it's the way you work through. It's the way you work through feedback and challenge and. And it's your way, and that's you know. Um, so we received feedback from three individuals. I would consider those three, and so would you, um, and so would many people consider those three individuals to be um, on the extreme side um, of activism. Um, and I think that they've got um, powerful positions and powerful um, um, voices within um, within this conversation, and um, and and uh, um, and those voices um, are are absolutely welcome. I'd love to have them here um, and can, and have this conversation together. Um, that com- that feedback always comes through you. Um, and that probably has a lot to do with the fact that nobody knows how to get a hold of me. You're the one that's on social media. But um, I see you doing a pendulum swing, you know? So here you are, you've received some feedback. You've received some feedback that, that um, that is, you know, there's some really valid points in it and some points that are really worth um, talking about, really worth having a conversation on. And, um, the idea that your work is whitewashed, um, is an extreme piece of feedback that I, I don't agree with at all. Um, and it comes, it comes from like, you know, I mean, it comes from a very extreme point of view. And um, individuals, a lot of individuals have different points of views, right? We, we, we exist in a world of multiple ways of understanding and knowing and being in the world. And so the feedback, I can get feedback that is like, this is awesome. This is amazing, right? right? I get feedback from, from all different perspectives. Right. It's my responsibility to know exactly which perspective they're coming from and not totally take every single one of those um, um, perspectives into, well, I do take it into consideration. That's one of the things I do. I do take these perspectives into consideration, but there's also discernment as well, too, is my understanding on where they're coming from. And so the only reason why that I felt like, okay, I have to take this feedback, even though it may have sound negative to some people, I don't see it as negative. I see it as the, as the opportunity for me to check myself and to actually ask myself, am I being authentic to the work that I am doing? Okay. No, and, and that is, and that's the point. That's right. the point to this conversation. Right. Exactly. But I wanted to I wanted to let the listeners know that these are the subjects. These are the subjects. These are the things that that um that can continuously keep us apart, keep us from hating, you know, I mean it can it can keep us from sitting down and having a heart to heart conversation because these 
fucking conversations are hard. When I say the words white fragility, white privilege, white supremacy, whitewashed, patriarchy, when I say these words, whoever I am speaking to and even listeners out there can feel a trigger through their entire bodies because these words and these ideas are challenging Certainly. They are challenging. No matter which side of the No matter which side it's on. And if we're not going to come to the place where we're able to talk about it, Mm -hmm. then we're going to continue coming from our singular perspective, hating one another, disagreeing with one another, and finding us in this feedback loop that only perpetuates hate and more divide. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I am calling it out. I have to call it out. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not asking you not to call it out. I'm asking you to call it out. What I'm asking you not to do is I'm asking you to not do what you do um, self-esteem wise, which is to oh. internalize this okay. and be All like, right, well, my sweetie. work and start dismantling. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Again, you're coming from a different perspective. I am. I'm coming from the perspective so of your You're coming from the perspective of your husband. But recently, and I don't know if you've noticed that, that I've kind of like have taken some big hits. Of course I've noticed. But do you see me feeling any less? Do you see me? F- no, it's like. No, I've seen you, you get up. But here's, here's the thing is that I have to be able to feel that. I've got to feel that sting. I've got to feel that burn. Because if I'm not able to feel it, then I'm not, not going to be able to question, wait a minute, where does change happen? Because I want things to just be comfortable. Or if things get hard, go ahead and overlay it with with drugs, with alcohol, with porn, with with behaviors that's going to keep us in the dumps. No, I'm going to face it, you know, face on and be like, oh, shit, this hurts. It hurts. And I'm going to cry about it. And I'm going to feel the pain. But that pain is not going to drag me down to where I'm going to feel like, oh, well, maybe I should change my ways. Well, maybe they're right. Nah, nah, I'm not I'm not there. I'm going to be like, yes, you are right. And there's another way to do it. And here it is. Here it is. And so, yeah, this this entire month has been a doozy, a doozy. A doozy from all directions. But if anybody hasn't seen Captain Marvel yet, man, you need to go see Captain Marvel. Because the best part of that for me was at the end, right? When she she was flash she was having um flashbacks of every time that she fell. Every time that she fell, and then she kept getting up and getting up and getting up and getting up like there there it is there it is it's like no matter how many times you got to keep getting up right it's like Maya Angelou and still I rise it's like bring it on bring it on because I am I'm coming from a place where I don't I don't want our grandson to grow up in a place where he is going to continuously have to be fighting. He would have to be, you know, looking over his back and he would have to be, you know, um, not accepted for some ways. And so I'm coming from a place where I want to 
change the narratives and um, change the way society is right now by being more more gracious you know with more aloha and we and we can't get there if we don't have the hard conversations right we can't and who deserves to be a part of those conversations everybody right everybody and who deserves to be able to converse in those conversations everybody and who has the responsibility to listen it is everybody's responsibility right we are all responsible for it. and here's the thing too is that we can also find ourselves saying you know um yeah everybody is responsible everybody is doing this this is everybody else's you know everybody's um i you know ideas of change and everybody has to pay attention the thing about it is sometimes we can talk about the everybody as if it's the other, right. but never turn it around to us. And I think in this, in this conversation and this segment of our podcast, I, I, I'd like to really talk about saying the eyes. What am I going to do? What am I going to be? What is my responsibility in this? Because we have to be able to see ourselves as part of everybody mm-hmm. and not saying, oh, yeah, everybody got to do this, but I'm not going to do my own work. Because then you'd be you'd be one of those those preachers that only can, you know, that stands up on a pulpit and then, you know, behind closed doors are doing some other bullshit stuff. You just alluded to something that, that is um, perhaps a little paradoxical. Um, you just went through you just connected the the collective concept, you know, the collective being with um, by going through the doorway of I. Mm-hmm. Elaborate. Right. We are part of the entire system. We cannot be. We cannot be. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's we are part of everything else. Everything that we do, we are part of that. What we do to others, we do back to ourselves. But we have this idea that we are separate. We have this idea that we are disconnected from everything else. So we constantly look outside of ourselves for things. We look outside of ourselves for things to change. We look out of ourselves to make us feel good. We look out of ourselves for all of this stuff. We never go inside and internalize things and be like, wait a minute, how can I be part of this change? We're not able to take the steps behind of us and look back down. We are always observing. We're observing others. We never observe ourselves in observation with others. Mm. We ne- we don't do that because yeah. that's the way we see things. And that's the doorway into 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 a connection with the collective through right. I. Exactly. To observe oneself. Right. With others and seeing others. how our actions affect others. Mm-hmm. And then being able to take another step back and see the collaborative efforts of what happens when we are not working with others and others aren't working with us. Yeah. We can see the problems, we can see the troubles that is actually transpiring before, even before it does, even before it happens. Because if you're able to step above everything else and look back down, you can observe. But you've gotta be honest with yourself. You gotta be honest with yourself in your positionality, where you stand, and what is your responsibility and accountability to everybody else around you? 
Because if you're not able to look at yourself and all you're going to do is like looking at the top and you're like, oh yeah, there's me. It's going to be like a video game, right? Oh yeah, there's me. My idea is to shoot everybody down. My idea is to be more powerful. My idea is to just, you know, take everybody out and win this game. We again are separating ourselves. We don't see ourselves as, wait a minute, hold on. If there is somebody that is not feeling well or is feeling down, do I just walk by and be like, oh, well, it's not my problem? But then if everybody around him or her is not feeling well, don't you think that affect, eventually it's going to affect me? So it's like, it's like taking care of a cancerous cell before it actually starts to expand into other parts of the body. And when we are able to see ourselves as the I within the we and the we within the I and vice versa, then I think we can move collectively. But it's hard to get there. We have to be able to acknowledge our space and our positionality. We also have to acknowledge the systems, the systems that surround us and and the systems that we are part of and the systems that we actually need to dismantle and the systems that we actually need to build. What does that look like in the view of an I and a we and an us? What does that look like? What is the responsibility Mm -hmm. in all of that? And so, yes, um, hard hard questions. So um, diving into diving into a little bit um do you think that there's a singular um do you think that 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 you and i are working off of a singular um and simple understanding of the words down with brown and all right with white um we are not uh you know down with brown all right with white is a uh, play on words and um, if 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 individuals are going to take it literal where I'm all right with white and just by extrapolating that phrase that Jerry said that she's all right with white connotates that I'm all right with white privilege I'm all right with with white uh, fragility, I'm all right with white supremacy, I'm all right with the cloak of whiteness, and therefore I am whitewashed. And if people are going to take that part of what I said literally without sitting down and asking me questions about it, then all they're going to have is that perspective of me. And they will judge and they will make comments and they will do all of these things that can actually um, that can actually cause more of a um, uh, divide than you know. It's like that's that's their kuleana. That's that's their that's their responsibility. If that's all they're gonna do, you know, it's um. I am, um, yeah, it's, yeah, so, you know, I mean, yeah, it is, it's, it's not my, it's not my responsibility if people are going to, um, you know, just take one part of what I say and jump on it and make a big deal out of that. But at the same time, you know, I think you and I are both aware that, that, um, 
Well, it's also kind of a personal um, phrase, right? Like we said in the first pod, Down With Brown, All Right With White podcast, was that that actually came out of our wedding, right? This idea that, you know, um, you were, for lack of a better word, you were marrying a white boy and I was marrying a brown girl. And for both of our families, that was new territory. And we had this idea of, well, let's create T-shirts and have everybody (laughs) wear them at the wedding. And, um, you know, and I mean, we've come a long way from there. But down with brown and white, right with white has been something that um, has kind of traveled with us. It's it's been something that, you know, it's been um, it's been a, a part of our journey together. Right. And it's taken on new form. Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I think both of us understand um, the cons, you know, or both of us are are working to understand and work and working to gain um, um, an understanding of how others see, um, depending on where they're sitting and within the society, whiteness and what that means and how it interacts with them and um, and uh, um, and how to dismantle that um, because it is, you know, it is pervasive. It is a pro you know, we have a society that's built on whiteness. So uh, how, you know, what are what are some of the things or how are you going to help me to dismantle the system that upholds all of this whiteness? Well, I think we, we both have uh, we both have individual responsibilities in that in which, um, you know, uh, for the better part of our marriage, we've taken. What's your I'm getting there our individual responsibilities and work together to try and figure out how to do it together. My responsibility in that is, um, is, um, is constant, is a, is a fairly consistent, um, challenge to acknowledge my own, um, my own whiteness, my own, that's not the color of my skin. You know, that's, um, that's the cloak that I wear easily. It's the cloak that um, that when I was born, I was was put over my shoulders, and it's the cloak that I didn't take off until I was well into my forties, um, and examine it. Um, you know, so um, how that interacts in the society, how that um, participates in the society. Um, on this journey, I've definitely gotten feedback from people that um, you know a, a variety of different feedback. You know, some people. Um, um, of all different uh, ethnicities and descents have said, you know, this is awesome. You need to participate in this conversation. You need to continue to examine this. And others had said, you need to sit back and, and be silent. Um, and so I'm trying to figure that out for myself. And I think sometimes I do need to sit back and be silent. I think sometimes I, I do need to listen. Um, I think sometimes, um, you know, there are places where, um, where my voice should not um, dominate and my voice dominates easily um, you know uh, um, I mean I, I know how to I know how to use it in that way um, I think I use it in on this podcast a lot right like I I have a tendency to be the one I feel like I have the tendency to be the one who kind of moves and pushes the conversation down the road um, and some of that's a, dyna- a marriage dynamic, right? Which is patriarchy. Um, you know, um, some of that's a, a dynamic between the two of us. Um, 
you know, uh, a dynamic that we do challenge, but maybe we need to challenge here on this podcast more. Maybe I'm not the one that needs to do the majority of the talking with guests. And, and I think often I do. Well, and I think it's it also depends on who you have in front of you as well, too. Or maybe the subject right? you're talking about. Or the subject you're talking about. Like, for example, how do we get white heterosexual males, your cousins, your yeah. friends, on this podcast? How do we do that? That's tough. That's tough because um, because uh, I think that I think they're hearing these conversations. I know they're hearing these conversations out there. Um, I think that they still feel removed from these conversations because they're not challenged by it. They're not it's not in their face every day, um, and they are. Um, um, I, you know, I think that I think they're spending some time. I don't think they're spending a lot of time thinking about you know. Um, what's my privilege? How does this relate? You know, how do I wear whiteness? Um, I don't think they're thinking about that a ton, but well, and to, that's their that's their privilege, absolutely. right? Absolutely, that's totally. their white privilege that right. they're able. They don't have to think they about stuff think like about this it. when people of color are thinking about it every All single the time. day, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then to um, say, hey, buddy, come and. Let's have a conversation. Uh, you know, I mean, all of our, all, you know, all of our friends know what what we talk about on this podcast. You know, they've listened to it. So, you know, hey, come come on to the podcast and 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 let's talk about is it your because, whiteness. That, that's right. Like, and it's, that's not something they want to do because it's scary. Yeah, maybe they'll have like to sit with the discomfort of that. And who wants to sit with I the discomfort from it, that? I, I don't think that that they would be uncomfortable talking to us about it. That's not the point. I think the fact that they would be recorded, right? Like right. if we could mask their voice, like they, you know, you know, and it was, oh, <laughs> I have experienced white privilege from the white, you know, and, and mask <laughs> right. their voice and, right. and give them a, you know, not a call them by their name. <laughs> give them a pseudonym. Yeah, yeah, you know, like maybe that would work. You know that we could totally do that if if they are courageous enough. To actually make it happen. It is a courageous conversation. It is a very, very courageous conversation. Yeah. And, and they would have to be able to come and make it happen. I want to call all your cousins and all of your friends, and I want to invite them in. And that's the thing, right, is we can not we can call people out, but it's very difficult to call them in. Good point. And when we call them into the conversation, we also have to check our own selves. Like, can I actually hold space? To have these kind of conversations, especially if someone is going to be coming in with an opposing point of view. Yeah. So, you know, how do you how do you think we can create that? I I don't I I don't know that I have the answer for that. You know, um, I mean, uh, we can we can invite them. Um, um, maybe we'll try the the pseudonym um, tactic. You know. Um, I think that, you know, I think for um, people of European descent, this conversation is not intimidating because, oh, I'm going to be challenged. Oh, I'm going to have to take accountability for, you know, oh, I've got to take an inventory of. I don't think that's the problem. I think the problem is um, the problem is a very simple human problem. How are people going to perceive me? And I'm not talking about other white people. Uh, you know, other people of European descent. I'm talking about uh, people of, you know, of African descent, people of uh, Pacific Islander descent, people of, you know, well, Asian descent. And my point is this, is that, is that um, 
I don't know if I'm dumb or if I'm courageous, um, but I'm doing a podcast on with you on, you know, on these subjects. Race, equity, inclusion, diversity, belonging. belonging. Yes. Right. And I'm not an expert. Right. I'm not woke. I don't claim to be woke. You know, I'm not I am. I am a work in progress and I don't you know, and I people are going to this is the very the very idea of me sitting here recording a conversation about these subjects is triggering to some people mm-hmm. and um and you know so um i know that that i know that there are people out there that that are wringing their hands when they hear my voice um i know there's people who don't even want to listen to this podcast because it's you and I. Um, but I'll be damned if this conversation should not include everybody. Right, right. And that's the that's the whole point of, of calling people in. And if people are standing on the outskirts of our conversation, having their own conversation on how we shouldn't be having this conversation, then... That's their idea. That's their perspective. And that's the place that if they choose to stay within, then they're going to receive the same results that they've always gotten. Yeah. Until they can they can step out of that paradigm and step out of that comfort zone, then nothing's going to change. On the other hand, we also have to think and we also have to let, you know, allow our, um, you know, our guests to feel comfortable or feel, quote, unquote, safe, where it's like, dude, it's really up to you. You know, I mean, if one of your friends came on and they were like, well, I want to use a pseudonym and I want to, you know, I want to like, you know, mask my voice, but I'm willing to have this conversation then the way I see it is, okay, you you choose to remain anonymous for your safety or however it is. That's your choice. Just know that there is still a responsibility. Whether your voice is masked or not, it is still your voice. The listeners may not know. We will know. And you will know. So how you deliver your message and then move to action off of your message it's still your responsibility you will still be accountable to everything even though other people won't know yeah you'll know and if you can live with that then right on good for you but we have to be able to hold space for people coming in from different points of views there's also the, um, the dilemma of when people um, take their words into an action that is actually going to cause harm. And when we find ourselves getting angry, you know, I mean, I can talk about it. You know, there, there's individuals out there and there's, there's groups of people out there when I say, yeah, this world is built off of white supremacy they will get triggered. They may even want to come and hurt me and do harm because they want to prove a point that they are not. Or 
maybe that they are and they are supreme and and all of these things and 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 in their minds they want to cause harm because they want to eradicate the idea that if we remove these people that don't think like us then we're going to live our lives in a in a way that is going to be good for all of us and so yeah i mean i think it's i think it's we've got to invite the space right yeah and that you just n- nailed it right there that is the reason why my brothers and my cousins and my friends need need to participate in this conversation and this space is a good space to do that in it's a safe space to do that in we need to do that because the vast majority of um, mass shooters are of european descent Mm -hmm. we need to do that because there is an entire group out there that is just under the skin that is boiling up like pimples and boils in our society that believe themselves to be a part of what's called a white race. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. Well, and here's the thing is that I think we have to we have to elaborate on the fact that there is no such thing because if we stop at just saying there is no such thing, those that are listening going to feel an automatically erasure. So if we go deeper in the fact that there is no ethnicity that is white, but society has constructed it for us to believe that there is. We have to, in our on our census, are you white? Are you non-Hispanic? On our applications, are you white? Are you non-Hispanic? Not are you, you know, are you of Irish descent? Are right. you of French descent? Right. Are you of Norwegian descent? Right. Are you of English descent? That's, you know, that's ethnicity. Right. That's genetic heritage. Exactly. No. Are you white? Are you right. Caucasian? Right. That's nothing. That is That's not, mayonnaise. Right. And here's here's the thing too is that um, when 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 the ethnicities of European descent is pretty much um, compacted into Caucasian or white, it erases the indigeneity of those people, and it also erases the ancestry and the and the uh, the genetic code from the people in which these people of European descent came from. And so if people of color, we are, we are, we are reclaiming our indigeneity. Right. We are reclaiming the roots where we're coming from. We are honoring our ancestors. And that, that right there is the battlefield. Because what we're looking at with white, quote unquote, Americans, is we are looking at the same tactics of colonization that were employed upon the Native Americans and the enslaved African Americans um, simply a thousand years longer. This is what colonization becomes. Colonization becomes, forget your ancestry, forget your indigeneity, forget the language of your forefathers, forget um, you know, the religion of your forefathers. Forget the songs and stories of your forefathers. Mm-hmm. Forget these things. Right. You are something else. Right. You are white. And in that whiteness, you become something that we can mold you to. And yes. what we can mold you to is a consumer. <laughs> yes. That's the society we live in. Right. 
Right. We so 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 those that we identify as the colonizers are the colonized. Exactly. Which is how colonization works. It is a virus. If you are colonized, you are a colonizer. Exactly. You become a colonizer. Do you have a cell phone? Do you pump gas? Do you go to a job? Do you get a paycheck? You're a colonizer. Right. Right. And it's and and here's the point again where I feel it is so important to get back to your heart, get back to your na'al, get back to get back to the guts, get back to the the root of who we are as human beings is to acknowledge the fact that we all have been colonized. We all have pain. And that if we don't move forward and rise above what society has made us out to be, we're going to continue to live in a society that we have right now. And we are intelligent human beings. We are intelligent human beings. We can rise above it, but we can only rise above it if we're able to see that see that we are the reflection of each other. Mm. And that even though we come from different parts of the world, which makes some of us have more melanin than others because of survival, that it's like, wait, hold up here. How can we all go back and honor our ancestors? And it's hard because you need the resilience to actually break through every single layer that have been packed onto us. And so we've got to be able to create space. We've got to be able to come and have this kind of dialogue that's going to transform and who we, we are. And we, we, we build this new world together. We have to build this new world together. Right. You know, it's, it's not just about reclaiming your indigeneity, which is a huge part of it. It's also about creating tools to build resilience. Yep. It's also about creating tools to dismantle. Right. But not dismantle and leave empty. Right. To bring something up in its place. And we've got to do that. We, we've got to do that together. And, and, you know, in the process of all of that, we have to do our own unpacking. We have to do our own work because if we are not able to do um, our own dismantling, we do not have the right and the place to try to have somebody else dismantle things that's out there. Right. So we've got to break it down. And when we break it down, we break it down to us, to, to individuals, to our own ideas, you know? And that's the work that all of us need to do for my cousins. That starts with with slipping off the cloak of whiteness, you know, for that first time, you know, for a moment and um, and reaching back. Where do you come from? You know what? Who are your people? Give us give us some examples, Jay. Give us some examples of what are some of the things that you're gonna do. Like, so what are some of the what are some of the um, behaviors that you're gonna start changing to dismantle the system? Well, I mean, it's not, it's, yeah, it's not, I mean, right. Just, just some of the stuff, like, you know, I mean, maybe not driving a carpool lane, maybe not speed. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. So what are the things that I'm able to get away with? Because uh, I'm able to don the cloak of whiteness very simply and easily that a person of color couldn't. So um, um, I can't get out of every speeding ticket, but I, I've gotten out of some. Um, and, and in, in some cases I've gotten out of those, 
um, I've gotten out of those um, in what some people would probably consider miraculously. Um, you know, uh, do I want to change that? I'm going to honestly say, I don't know. I don't know if I want to change that. Um, and I'm going to acknowledge that, uh, um, that, um, that's a complete and utter use of, of privilege. 100%. Um, you know, I mean, if a cop sees me in the carpool lane by myself, um, I'm going to get pulled over like everybody else. I'm probably going to get a ticket like everybody else. Um, but how many times, but um, the confidence, the confidence that I have in being able to say, I'm going to, I'm not waiting for this bullshit. You people can wait in line. I'm getting into the carpool lane and I'm going home. That's an abuse of privilege. Yeah. You know, because I know that you wouldn't do that no. and you wouldn't do it because you're, because you, um, you know, you're like, if I get caught in that carpool lane, I'm in trouble. Right. Right. It's the ramifications of PTSD, man. I mean, yeah. And yes. the interaction that you're going to have with that cop um, that pulls you over is going to be different than the interaction I'm going to have with that cop right. that pulls you over. We both might get tickets, but I'm not going to be asked if I'm carrying, you know, a kilo of of, of, cocaine, of, of cocaine or, or, or weed or, or right, something, or, right? Right. Or, uh, I'm not gonna have the. I'm not gonna or, have a canine pull up on me. Right. I mean, on you. They're not. You know, canine's not gonna pull up on you. But I definitely would feel that that would happen to me. Right. Or 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 our sons. Or our sons. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I I uh, yeah. So how do we? Okay. So here's here's my question, and um, if if. You, you understand that that is an abuse of privilege. You understand that um, you're able to get out of it. You uh, also, not always. Well, not always, but you, you, under time, you no. understand, you, under you, you get it. You understand that, you know, this is what your privilege, um, this is what you can get away with. But you don't know if you want to give it up. So and, 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 you know, I'm just saying that there's a lot of a lot of people of European descent that they know if they engage and they start doing the work that they may have to give some things up. If you're not able to give it up or if you're not well, wanting we're to. We're talking about a very specific right, thing. Right. Exactly. Here. But still, overall, there are many things that people of European descent may not want to give up because of the work that they would have to do to unpack things and understand and acknowledge. How do we dismantle it? Good question. Yeah, uh, you know, I think. Well, I think maybe we need to go deeper than speeding and part and 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 tickets. Um, but it starts there because it's easy it does, to understand. It does start there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my brain, this is what I end up thinking about, and and this is I fully acknowledge that this is an excuse. But um, I have a job in which uh, you know five days a week I I drive hundreds of miles. Um, you know, I go from Tacoma to Arlington on a, on a regular basis. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a long ways. Um, I get home at a reasonable hour. Um, I work 50 to 60 hours a week. If I slow down, that increases. Um, I'm barely willing to... In fact, there's a huge part of me that is actually unwilling, but I do it anyway. So I'm barely willing to give that much time up for, um, for, uh, for my work anyways. I don't like it. 
you know, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not passionate about what I do. I do it because it's a paycheck. And the sooner I can get home and the sooner I can be done, you know, the, the, the more I'm, uh, I'm inclined to do what needs to be done. And if I'm unwilling to dismantle my privilege in this specific spot, um, this simple spot, then what, then, then, then what am I, mm -hmm. what am I, you know, what else am I unwilling to do? Exactly. That's what I was going to say. And as you were talking about that, I'm like, okay, so you, you, you work 50, 60 hours a week. I see the solution. What is it? I have to quit my job. <laughs> Dude, no. Yeah. Oh, hold up. Hold up. And, and you know what? You might, you might feel a sense of, um, don't be getting all fragile on me right now, okay, about what I'm about to say. I'm going to so. start my letter of resignation <clears throat> while you talk. Don't fuck with me like that. Anyway, so here's the thing, is that you're talking about working 50 to 60 hours a week. You're also saying that the quicker you can get home, then the it, the better the better you're. You're better off the quicker you can get home and you can relax, right? So you, you know that, you understand that. You know, you, you work hard and you're like, I'm going to go into the carpool lane. I'm going to do this. I want to get home. I want to like crack open a bottle of wine and I want to sit down and I want to relax because I'm just better for myself that way. I'm better for my family if I can just do that. Okay. So that's your scenario, right? White heterosexual male. Let's take a brown or black body, mm -hmm. right? They work 50 to 60 hours a week More. as well too. Hold on. I'm not done. Hold mm -hmm. on. Just stop. They work 50 to 60 hours a week. They know that if they go into a carpool lane, that they've got to deal with police officers. So they don't. So they sit in traffic. They sit in traffic. And they take an extra hour or so going down and everything like that. Now, they've already been working 50 to 60 hours a week. Now they're up to 70 because they're on the road all this time and they don't take the carpool lane. How do you think they are? with their families when they get home. Yeah. Yeah, they're frustrated. They're they're they have the same base layer of frustration that I do plus. Yes. Yes. So then again I'm going to ask you, how do we dismantle this if you're not willing to give anything up? Yeah. Okay, so I am going to transition this just a little bit, not because I want to avoid the conversation. I mean, it's, the, the answer is simple. Stop driving in the carpool lane and slow down. Okay, that's answered. However, um, you know, I, there's also a bigger, there's also a bigger answer here, um, which is A, is the solution, because I know the easy, the easy solution really is, well, Well, white people are going to have to give something up for brown people to be able to gain. And, and if that's the solution, like that, that, that solution's a, a solution of, of scarcity. These are the resources that we have. And this is the system that we work within. And that, that system is unchangeable. And, um, you know, it's just the way it is, you know. And so you're going to have to give something up in order for me to get something uh, that long term, like if we really want to talk about, we're talking about not speeding and taking the carpool lane. That's what we're talking about. 
But if we want to talk about the whole system as a whole and using extrapolating that as an example, like we're just going to we're never going to get anywhere. We're not going to get anywhere. So you dismantle the entire system. The system's got to be dismantled. The entire system needs to dismantle, or else that is why people of European descent believe that oh, let's not allow. Um, immigration over our borders because we're going to lose something. Yeah, we're gonna, yeah you're going to lose the majority. Don't, you know, it's like, oh, we have to like perpetuate the white race because we're going to lose something. It's like nobody's going to lose anything. Right. You know, it's like inviting inviting people to a table. Oh my goodness, we have a small table. Well, let's build a bigger let's table. Big, Yeah, exactly. Let's build a bigger table. Yeah. Or get rid of the damn table and sit in circles. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that it's important to um, to go a little deeper on the dismantling part because dismantling is not is is only half of the equation. If you're just dismantling the system, you're not getting anywhere. You're fucking yourself. You know, um, you you know you have to do what what Buckminster Fuller says, which is, you know, you don't change a system. Um, you know, ch- you can't change a system by trying to disrupt it totally from the inside you build a new system and make the old system obsolete right that's how you do it exactly that's how you do it so so we're concentrating on dismantling systems when what we really should be concentrating on is creating new systems that make the old systems obsolete landlines they're obsolete why are they obsolete mobile phones that's a new system that took over and made an old system obsolete right an old system that that in the in the mid 20th century was actually considered a monopoly to the point that Congress had to break it up. Like it was huge, huge. And that system's gone. Right, right. That's what we have to do with social systems. It's not just about let's get let's get all the white people to stop speeding and taking the carpool. Lane. Oh, absolutely. And then it's you know, about let's get rid of carpool lanes or let's, you know, I don't know. And again. And again, that is very broad, that's very wide, that's very out there. But the catalyst to all of this is that it has to start with us. Yes. Each and every single one of us has a responsibility to actually creating another system to make this obs- this system obsolete. Yeah. Every single one of us. And it starts with conversation. It starts with dialogue. It starts with aloha. It's the ability to sit and share stories and ideas and the exchange of ideas, the resolution of conflicts, the facing forward, the breath, the, the uh, energy, the mana that exchanges between one of us. If we want to create a different system, we start with aloha Yeah, is where we need to do. And it's hard to even get people there because they have to be able to unpack where they are in that moment to take the step to have dialogue and come onto this podcast with us on the Plow Line podcast and have conversation. And that includes that includes my European descent that cousins is, and brothers yes, and sisters. Yes. And that includes black and brown bodies that are on the far edges of, of this movement that um, that that listen to this and and are offended, right? And it's everyone. It's everyone. And and I feel that's the purpose 
of our podcast and the reason why is we are inviting people in to have these kind of conversations that can keep us out of the conversation. Inviting them in to just share their ideas and 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 be courageous enough and brave enough to know that when they leave, we are going to work on transforming each other's ways of understanding, transforming it into something that we probably wouldn't have even known if we didn't come together and have a deep conversation. And also, if individuals are going to be able to come, are going to want to come to the podcast to dialogue, to ask questions, to inquire, then I am going to ask everyone to follow the um, the theoretical framework that I that I uh, you know developed on Aloha, which is ask and inquire. And if you're going to ask and inquire, the A for Aloha, L listen. Listen with the intention to understand and not judge, because if you're going to ask, you better be willing to listen deeply. And as you listen, observe what is happening, the O. Observe what's happening in your body, the somatics that happens in your body. Because when we start listening and we start opening up, there's going to be things that's going to happen within us. Our emotions are going to take control. And when we can have the understanding and the emotional intelligence to put our emotions in check, to continue to listen, then we can get back to the heart or the na'au, the, the, the belly where all of the energy and all of the love and the empathy and the grace is able to exist and transform and be able to share it. And when we can come to that place and we have the we have the adaptability to accept differences that when people come onto the podcast, we're not asking them to um, embody and adopt other people's ideas. We're asking people to come in and listen and adapt to the fact that there are different ideas. And that's where we can coexist. We can coexist in this place of grace and empathy and allow us to listen and allow us to listen and so that is what this podcast is about and i i appreciate i appreciate the feedback that i get yeah and i take every feedback into consideration and yes some of the feedback is going to be hard and i understand that but i also know that whoever wrote that I'm hoping that it came from a place of love, that it came from a place where you want to engage in deeper conversation and not just push me out. So, yeah. So with that, um, we, uh, we both sincerely invite, we invite you in, um, all of you, uh, we invite we invite you into this conversation and there's many ways to engage in it. Um, for some, um, you're going to have the opportunity to join us here on the podcast and, and we would really be honored by that. For others, uh, there's ways to engage um, within the medium in which we, um, we uh, broadcast this, both on SoundCloud as well as on um, the iTunes um, uh, podcast app on your mobile phones. We would very much appreciate that engagement um, on social media. 
Um, on Twitter, we're at Plowline. On Facebook, we're facebook.com backslash um, Plowline. Um, we have a Plowline page on um, LinkedIn, and you can find us there as well. Yeah, please like the LinkedIn page. We only have two followers, but we're building it. We're building it. This is a this is still a new um, a new podcast, and you know it, it gives Jeremy and I the opportunity to um, deliver and to share and to exchange ideas um, a different way than than normal. And it's a conversation. It is definitely it's a, conversation a conversation we all need to be invited into. Yes, absolutely. So you can reach me if uh, if you want to uh, if you have any questions, ideas, feedback, or anything like that. You can meet reach me at Jerry G E R R Y at Co Three C O the number three Consulting dot net. Uh, you can find me Jerry uh, Co Three Consulting dot net. Also on the uh, Power of Women Rocks page as well too, and yeah. on LinkedIn, Jerry yeah. Balarosa. And uh, we also have an email address for this podcast. It's plowline at gmail dot com. Feel free to engage there as well. Um, plowline at gmail dot com. Uh, for those of you that are interested in participating in this conversation and uh, helping to promote this conversation, we have a Patreon page. That is uh, patreon.com backslash plowline. And um, feel free to go there, check it out, and participate in building this conversation and building the platforms for this conversation. Uh, you know, um, I'm not sure that, that uh, either one of us, when we first met, ever thought that this was our passion or our life's work. But the world has changed. And um, so have we. So have we. And so we're here we are. Um, so let's talk. Right. Thank you very much, everyone. I hope to hear from you soon and look forward to having many of you on our podcast. Bye, everybody.